We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. Ship uh, of some kind, I recognize that, but I also know this. I also believe that I'm here on assignment. Because I, I do believe that while God opens up opportunities for us to be used by Him, those invitations do come. I recognize that God is a sovereign God. And that in His sovereignty, He knows how to guide and direct different circumstances, uh, different uh, 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 characteristics, all of those things together. He brings those relationships together for a common purpose, a, a directive, a goal that God has in mind. Do you know that God has an overall goal for the church? But He also has an overall goal for every single one of our lives. I recognize that in, in the space that I'm in this morning, that my responsibility to follow His will, to do what He's called me to do, and to take advantage of the opportunities that God has given to me, I've got to make sure that I'm not only listening for His voice, listening for His promptings, but I've got to be responsible with the opportunities that God has given to me. Every single one of us in this room recognize that God guides and directs our lives. And as He does so, He will use us in various capacities. I, I love the fact that many of the individuals up here on this stage this morning were being used by God. But can I tell you this? That some of the greatest ministers and ministry happens as you walk in those doors this morning. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Amen. To have a smiling face when somebody picks you up in a golf cart. I love that guy. Uh, he and I talked deer all the way in. I, I, I love that guy. The fact of the matter is, is that that's a, that's a ministry that ministers the hearts and lives of people, not just those who come on a regular basis, but especially to those who are just trying out the church for the first time. And so when you, when you think about ministry, ministry doesn't happen up on a platform necessarily or solely. It happens throughout the entirety of the church. But beyond that, did you know ministry happens every single day of our lives? God opens up doors of opportunity for us to be used in supernatural ways, in kingdom ways, every single day of our lives. What's the difference between those who though follow God's will and those who don't? It is listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our lives that helps us not to waste the opportunities that God gives us to minister on His behalf. One of the one of the great uh, uh, John Greenleaf, which was a, writ, a Whittier, was was a was a well known writer, and he wrote these words. He said that for all the sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these: it might have been. How many ever looked at your life and thought to yourself, what are what are the opportunities that I missed in life? Now there are certain opportunities that that I would say I was glad that I missed. Like that, that friend who had a multi-marketing uh, scheme that he wanted me to get into, or pyramid scheme he wanted me to get into. How many is with me on that, amen? There are some opportunities that come my way that I think, you know, this is probably not going to fit within the realm of what God would have me to do. But I also know this, that there are opportunities that I believe were God opportunities that he opened a window of the opportunity for me to be able to speak into somebody's life, and I failed to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Every one of 
in this room understands that. We have experienced the time where we, where we look back and we thought to ourselves, you know, if only I'd have said something. If only I would have taken that opportunity. If only I would have done this or that. When you and I, when you and I look back on our lives, certainly there are a lot of missed opportunities. But we also know this. That while we are workers in the kingdom of God, while we're, while we're believers, while God is working in our lives, He's changing us, He's molding us, He's rearranging our lives, we also know that He wants to use every single person in this room. And while we may doubt ourselves, I can tell you this, I'm here to come, come to tell you this, that God does not doubt that you have great potential in the kingdom of God. Amen. And if we'll understand his, his desire to see that potential fulfilled, then we'll walk in His ways. Solomon wrote this. He said, cast your bread upon waters, for you will find it in many days. He also said, in the morning, sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, whether alike will be good. The fact of the matter is, is that every farmer understands that in order to receive the harvest and a paycheck at the end of the year, they've got to work hard at the very beginning, understanding the seasons, understanding the times, and finding out when they need to plant the seed into the ground. Every farmer knows that the work begins before even the planting. It begins in tilling the ground. It begins in working. And when you and I, when you and I look at a farm, we must understand that we're looking at an individual who works hard every single day for the harvest to come. Now, the harvest only lasts a short period of time. But we know that the work continues 365 days a year. When you and I look at the kingdom of God, we must recognize that God desires for us to work. He desires for us to continue that work every single day of my life. The psalmist wrote that we are to come to worship and we are to bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. We recognize that when we come into this place, we worship, we praise, we glorify him. But he also goes on and he tells us that we are the people of his pasture. We're the sheep of his hand. And in, in understanding our place in the kingdom of God, that he guides and directs our steps. He's the one that guides us to where we need to be. And he tells us not to harden our hearts against the shepherd because if we harden our hearts against the shepherd, then we will not recognize the promptings of the kingdom priorities in our lives. Yes. Yes. Isaiah tells us to seek the Lord while he may be found. Because there's a time that he, that, uh, that he may not be found. The, fall, uh, the, the fact of the matter is, is that we call upon him while he is near to us. And as we call upon him, God guides and directs our lives. Listen, every one of us understands that we have spiritual opportunities and we are to make the most of those opportunities every time we have the opportunity to, to worship Him. God is speaking to somebody through that. I don't know what that is, but He's speaking to somebody. He's trying to get your attention, keeping you from going to sleep this morning. Every opportunity that we have, when we come into this place to worship, it's an opportunity. Every time that the church gathers, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to grow spiritually. It's an opportunity for you to reset, as Richard said. It's an opportunity for you to get closer to the Lord. But it is also every Sunday have an opportunity to bring somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. <laughs> 
every Sunday we have the opportunity of introducing somebody to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords, who has changed us, molded us, rearranged our lives, and drawn us close to Him. The fact is, is that every one of us have those spiritual opportunities that God uses us in. We must decide whether or not we will say yes or no. There are those who, and I pastored, I pastored a church not uh, just about two hours from here for about 15 and a half years. And in pastoring that church, I had all kinds of workers. I, I recognized that I had some of those workers that they were there every Sunday and they were working. They were greeting at the doors. They were picking things up. They were making sure that everything was running smoothly. I had those who were working uh, on Wednesday nights to be able to do rangers and girls ministries and youth ministries. And they were active in, in all kinds of things. But then I had those who were simply fans sitting up in the stands watching everything else that was going on. So I want you to understand that when we all work together, there's, there is a power that comes, uh, comes into play. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to accomplish God's will. We accomplish more together than we do individually. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven it's what we're going to be looking at today where God begin, or Jesus begins to describe what the kingdom of heaven looks like, how it operates. What is it that we must understand about the kingdom of heaven? Now, I know that there will be those who will say, well, well Chad, he, Jesus said it's by faith that we are saved. We have faith. We believe. And if we believe and we've confessed our sins, then he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us of all unrighteousness, put us into the kingdom of God. We're now in. Why? do we have to do anymore? The fact of the matter is, is that faith, uh, faith without works, the Bible says, is dead. And if we're, not, if we're not actively working and searching out those opportunities that God gives to us, then we're not working. We are simply sitting back hoping that somebody else takes care of the work. When we look at this, Jesus is giving a description in these parables. In fact, chapter 25, uh, the first, uh, first uh, uh, the parable that he gives is of the ten virgins of being prepared and ready for when the bridegroom comes back for us. And every one of us in this room understands that what Jesus is talking about is he's talking about making sure that our hearts are right, making sure that we're ready, making sure that we're looking for Jesus Christ to come back very soon. How many in this room would say, that's me, I'm looking forward to him coming back? But I also know this, that beyond looking for Him to come back, God has still got a plan for our lives until that day comes. My question is this, will He find us working in the kingdom of God? Or will He simply be finding us looking just for Him? While I, I understand looking for Him is an important part of our daily walk with the Lord, I also know this, that when you and I walk in the presence of God and we're guided and directed by His Holy Spirit, He's going to give those opportunities to each and every one of us that we must take advantage of. That's why He tells us the parable of the talents. He follows up watching for the Lord, watching for Jesus Christ to split the eastern sky. And he follows it up by saying, listen, while you're waiting for him to come, waiting for Jesus to come, you've got to be working. You've got to be doing what the master has called you to do. I want you to look with me at this parable of talents today. We're going to find out exactly how, how Jesus encouraged the disciples and encourages us to not waste 
an opportunity. I want you to look at the first thing he says here. It says how how we he tells us how we respond how we handle responsibility matters. Did you know how, how we handle the responsibilities that Jesus gives to each and every one of us matters in eternity? The opportunities that God gives to us matters in, in eternity. Matthew chapter 25, verse number 14, Jesus says this, For it would be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. A passage of scripture is so important for us to recognize. I want you to notice there, I highlighted those that are that are that I want to cover. For he he called his servants and he entrusted them to them his property. When Jesus went away, Jesus, Jesus went to the right hand of the Father. He said, I'm going to send an intercessor. I'm going to send a helper. He's going to be the Holy Spirit. He's going to come. He's going to empower you to do the work that I have shown you to do. That work was to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. He calls the believer to continue on what he had already established as a picture of what the kingdom of God and how it operates. Jesus says, when I go away, I'm going to entrust to you the work of the kingdom of God. And I want you to continue that work on and on. And so what the master does here is he entrusts his servants, those who have been working under him, those who, who have, have, uh, have committed themselves to him, he entrusts to them a part of his business plan. Right? So as he does so, he understands the different abilities and the talents and the skills that they have. And as he looks at them, he begins to divide up among them part of the business. Now I want you to note this, that as a, as a master gave out the different talents to the different servants, he didn't give each one equally. Yet, each one had the responsibility <coughs> to make a decision on how they handled what they had been given. When we look at this, we see here that he called them together. He entrusted his own possessions to them. And as he did so, he, he gave according to their ability. And, and really, it, it, this story depicts professional believers, members of the Lord's visible church, whom he had entrusted with various resources to use in his behalf until he returned. You may say to me, well, I'm not sure that I have the talents or I have the abilities or I have the strength or I have the time to be able to do so. Yet we recognize that the highest priority of every single one of our lives is not the things of this earth, but are the things of heaven, are the things of the kingdom. And if those are the priority of our lives, then we prioritize our time. We prioritize our schedule. We prioritize our finances. We prioritize the skills and the abilities and the talents that God gives to us to be used on His behalf. Now, they may not always be on a platform. They may not always be in a visible capacity. But they are always necessary and needed in the kingdom of God. 
Jesus here gives a, this picture because he wants them to understand that while they, they, the talents varied greatly, they also came with opportunity, they came with privilege, and they came with responsibility. Some, some church members have heard the gospel, studied scripture since early childhood. Other knows maybe the rudiments of the ba basic, uh, basics of the faith and have little opportunity to learn more. Those who are true believers are also given spiritual gifts that vary widely from person to person. But when we look at what God has given to us, God has given us everything that we need as a church to accomplish His will, to advance the kingdom of God, and to reach our city for the Lord, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that we have, have need of, God has already provided. God knows intimately the abilities in this room. He knows the gifts. He knows the talents. He knows every detail of your life. He knows the opportunities. He knows the circumstances. He knows the families. He knows every detail of every person's life. And he graciously assigns a responsibility to everybody in this room according to the, his knowledge. Even the 12, there were different levels of responsibility. As you look at their lives, Jesus gave each and everyone different levels of responsibility. The responsibility that they had was a responsibility of decision that they needed to make. That they follow as a faithful servant in what God had called them to do. See, the master's desire is this. Not equal return from each of his, his servants, but relatively equal effort according to ability. Do you hear what I say? He, he's not expecting that you're going to have as, as big a harvest or maybe you're going to have more of a harvest than somebody else. He doesn't, he, he's not looking at that. What he's looking at is are you willing to say yes and put in the effort? Amen. The same way Christians with different capabilities... Different opportunities may produce different results while working with equal faithfulness and devotion. What matters more than that is this, is that one day Jesus is going to say, well done thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Or he's going to say, away from me, I don't even know you. I don't know you. I don't, I don't know. What have you been doing? What have you done with your life? What have you done with that opportunity that God has, uh, that I have given to you? So the question then is this. Do we respond by faith or do we respond in fear? See, those are the, uh, is a, that's a determining question that each and every one of us needs to ask ourselves. Am I responding in a way that is fearful? And if I am, then I'm going to I'm going to hide that talent. I'm going to hide that opportunity. I'm going to make sure that nobody else knows that I'm a believer. I'm going to make sure that nobody else understands my responsibility. And so I'm going to keep that to myself. And fear will always dictate what you do. Are you going to stand in faith and say, I know that God created me. He developed me. He knew me before I was born. He knew why I was going to be on this earth. He knows the last day that I'm going to be on this earth, whether it is rapture or through death. And if I'm going to be here because of God's design, then I'm going to follow in faith, believing that God is not only going to give me opportunities, but that I'm going to step out in action and do it. Look at it. Verse number 16. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. 
So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. And I want you to know here that while they each had varying amounts of responsibility, every single one had a choice to make. And the first one decided that he was going to go out and he was going to work the business, that he was going to make sure that he was going to get a return because his master was going to come at any moment back and receive what was his. Now, now I want you to note that when the master went away, he didn't give a timeline. He didn't tell him on such and such date I'm going to come back. Sounds like somebody else, right? Jesus says, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come back one of these days. You're not going to know the hour. You're not going to know the day. You're not going to know the time. But I'm going to come back one of these days, and I'm going to receive back what I have given to you as a responsibility with your life. So Jesus Christ coming back today, will he find us walking in fear? Or will he walk, find us walking in faith? You see, the, the two had, who had, the one who had made five talents, the one who had made two more talents, those two individuals understood the priorities of their life, that they were there to serve the master with all of their capacities. And they were so in tune with what the master did that they understood that they could replicate that in their lives, that they could continue on the work, that they could continue on the investing or whatever the case may be, they could invest that back. And once they did so, they would have a return on their talent that they could then give back to the master. They wanted to be found faithful. But I want you to know that the, the last one, he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. How did he operate? He operated with a sense of fear. And we're going to find that out. When he gives his explanation to the master, he says, I was fearful. I walked in fear. And fear will always keep us from accomplishing God's will in our lives. Hiding working resources in the ground was, was not a sensible way of carrying on a business and earning a profit. And the servant who had received that one talent wanted to protect it, but, uh, but instead, of, uh, instead, of, uh, instead of investing it, instead of using it wisely for the master's profit, he had to protect it. He had to bring it in. He had to make sure that nobody else knew about it. That's why he got fewer resources, because he did not have the faith to step out and do what the master had called him to do. So what happens? Master comes back and he receives the reports. He comes back at a time that they didn't know. He comes back and he gathers them together and he says, Listen, I want you to report to me exactly what had happened while I was gone. Been away on this journey. I've come back. I want to make sure that what you have done with what I've given you has proved to be profitable. So the master receives the reports. Look at verse 19. He says, but not, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. I want you to know what he said there. I have made five talents more. Wait a minute. I'm supposed to sit back and I'm supposed to allow God in a supernatural way to provide the results. I understand that. I understand. 
understand that God in his supernatural way brings about the harvest in our lives. He brings about good and spiritual good and spiritual blessings in each and every one of our lives. But I want you to note here that Jesus in telling this parable, he tells of the servant saying, I have made five talents more. What was Jesus trying to tell us? That the kingdom of God is not sitting back in your spiritual lazy boy, hoping that one of these days that when you enter into heaven, you're going to receive all that you have, you have not done in the kingdom of God here on this earth. It's similar to sitting in a, in a chair without, with, with all the abilities and all the skills and all the talents to be able to work and hoping that someday your check is going to come in the mail. How many knows that if you don't work, you don't eat? <laughs> I remember as a, as a young man, I had a, had a little boy. Well, not a young a little boy. He was probably in a junior high age or somewhere around in there. I've been, I've been working most of my life in various capacities, earning income and whatever else. And I remember he came up to me one day and, and he was in, it was in church. And I, I don't know what came over me that day. I, 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 sometimes I, I say things before I think. Anybody with me on that? Anybody? Okay, thank you. This is confession time. And I remember him coming up to me and he said, you know what? He says, I really want bubble gum. You got bubble gum? I want bubble gum. He really didn't ask please or ask nicely or he and I were never even really friends. But he knew that I had bubble gum on me because I'd been working. I had earned my money. I'd made sure I went and bought what I wanted, right? And that day he came up to me and said, I want some bubble gum. Give me some bubble gum. I said, why don't you go get a job? Hello? Go get a job. Earn your bubble gum. I don't, I, I don't know where that kid is today. I, I'm not sure. He's probably scarred for life. But I, 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 I'm hoping that somewhere along the way he recognized that you work for the things that you need. Jesus is telling us, and oftentimes as believers... Well, listen, I, I know this, and you know this as well. I've grown up in the church all of my life. There are some who will say, listen, I don't want to work. I don't want to do anything. I just want to sit. I want to soak. I want to get everything in, all, of the, all the spiritual blessings, but I don't want to put forth any effort to do so. That's why when the pastor says, I want you to read your Bible, have a daily discipline of reading your Bible, you go, oh, man, I don't want to do that. <laughs> We want you to be in church and be a part of what God is doing in the church and be refreshed and renewed. And we say, oh, man, that's just going to take a lot of time. I want you to go out and witness. I want you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to be a light to a lost and dying world. And people will go, oh, man, I, I, man that's just not me. And when the pastor stands up and he says, God wants to give you spiritual blessings, we're like, yes! Because we believe that that doesn't require us to do anything. <coughs> Reality is, is this. Jesus said, the servant says, I have made five talents more. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. What Jesus was telling us is more than just simply by lip service saying that we have faith and we trust in God with our lives and that we're willing to do whatever. There has to be a step of responsibility where we step out and we say, I'm ready to do what you want me to do. 
I'm ready to work. I'm ready to produce. I'm ready to go into the harvest field. I'm ready to work as a harvester. The reality is this. The, the, the harvest is ready all around us. Jesus is calling the church to become his workers. I want you to go on in this passage of Scripture. He says, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. I want you to notice the verbiage there. I have made two talents more. He put the effort. He put the time. He put the uh, uh, skills and the talents that he had had and the knowledge that he had to work in order to make two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master." But then we have a turn in the story. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went, and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. I was afraid. I went and hid what you had given to me. I went and hid it because I didn't want to step out. I didn't want to, to take a chance and lose it all. The reality is this. Is that what, what, the, what the master had given to him was while uh, it was small in nature, the master would have commended the man, the servant, if he would have simply put forth the effort. See, oftentimes we, 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 we want the big results. We want God to say, wow. We want people to say, wow, what, what has happened in your life? How did you accomplish that? And we celebrate those who have the big wows. But God says, listen, I want you to understand that while you have a different level of, of opportunity, your faithfulness to that opportunity is what matters to me. He goes on, but the master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, gather where I have scattered no seed, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. Jesus is giving a picture today of what it means to walk in faithfulness to the Lord and what it means to walk in fear of what other people think. See, this servant had no reason to fear his master. He had transferred a fear that other people had of him and transferred it onto himself, which tells me this. He really didn't know the master's heart. My question for us today is this. Do we know the master's heart? Have we heard the master's voice? You say, well, I don't know it. I, I've not had an angel stand at the end of my bed telling me what I ought to do. I've not had it in big lights. I've not had it come in big revelation. Yet the fact of the matter is, is that God has in his word given us his will for our lives. And I guarantee you this, that if, if you had the responsibility to read all the rules for a Powerball for this $1.6 billion. You'd read every bit of it, even if it was 66 books long. Hello? <laughs> 10,000 pages. 
You would read every line of it, know it, memorize it in order to get that financial reward. We have a kingdom. We have an eternal reward. We have a master one of these days who's going to determine whether or not we're going to be with him for all of eternity or not. Yet many believers have not even picked up this Bible to find out what his will is. Church, we must understand this. That the word of God is God's will for our lives. He gives us insight into his heart, into his personality, into who he is, and what his desires are. And if we'll follow his will, his revealed will, then he's going to reveal to us his unrevealed will. What do you mean by that? When you and I read and study the word of God, that we open our hearts and our minds to him so that he can reveal to us, listen, I want you to go to such and such place today, and I want you to minister at that place. I want you to go to that individual that, that I'm showing you. And I'm going to tell you what you need to speak. And I'm going to give you the words in that moment what you need to share with them. But it comes back to us following the revealed will of God. Listen, the failure of this servant to use that which he had been entrusted by his master represents the emptiness, uselessness, and worthlessness of a life in which profession of faith in Christ is proved false and meaningless by the careless waste of privilege and opportunity. There's a reward. That if we're faithful to him, following his will, a reward we will gain. Verse number 28 says this, So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has more will, be, has, will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus made very clear that in the church there will always be those who are genuine and those who will walk in fear. Every church has that. But we also recognize this. That every believer, every person who is a part of the body of Christ has an opportunity. And in order for you to seize that opportunity, you've got to come to a place where you're ready to make a decision. With whatever you do with your abilities that you have been given by the Lord, you must choose to be spiritually productive in the kingdom of God. You must choose whether or not you're going to say yes to him or not. When Christ returns... He will figuratively take away the talent from those who will say, listen, I don't want to do anything for the Lord. I just want to get into heaven one of these days. He's going to take that talent. He's going to give it to those who have worked hard, who have, who have established kingdom priorities in their life and have followed God's will. And when you and I do so, we will have an eternal reward. Listen, the alternative is very negative. It's not something that any of us wants to do or wants to experience in our lives. He says, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's talking about hell. Eternal separation from him. 
Listen, you have a life that God has given to you. Every one of us in this room recognize and should recognize the blessings of God, that God has blessed you, he has, he has encouraged you, He has strengthened you, He has provided for you in many, many ways throughout your life. And even if you haven't served Him very long, if you will take time to go back and look at your life and think about your life, you can see that God was guiding and directing the footsteps of your life and people around your life to bring you into right relationship with Him. God has always been working in your life. You have an opportunity. The opportunities that you have been given are abundant. You say, well, I've not had that revelation. You don't need a revelation in order to follow God's will. You don't need a big call. You don't need a big booming voice from heaven. You need to see a need and fill that need. You say, I don't know what those needs are. Well, I don't have time to unpack it for sure, but if you go on in that chapter, Jesus tells another parable giving a picture of what it's going to be like when we get to heaven one of these days. The judgment seat of Christ. He's going to tell his faithful servants, he's going to say, hey, listen, welcome, come into the joy of the Lord. He says, because when I was, when I was hungry, you, what? When I was thirsty, you gave me we got some Bible scholars here. When I was naked, you? When I was sick, you prayed for me. When I was in prison, you visited me. And they're going to say, you know what? I don't, I, I don't know when that happened. When, when, were you, when were you thirsty? When were you hungry? When were you naked? When were you, when were you uh, uh, sick? When were you in prison? I don't remember ever seeing you there. I want you to know what Jesus does here. Jesus gives some very practical opportunities that every one of us in this room have. I would imagine there's not very many of you in here that are hungry. But you may come across somebody who is. And you have the means to be able to help them. I would say not many of us in this room are thirsty. You probably stopped at the cafe out there and got your coffee before you came in. You got there. Well, we know somebody who is. We may not know some. We may not be naked. I, I'm looking across the room. I don't see anybody who is struggling with clothing. But, but we know families who are struggling. Who need clothing. We may not know. We may not be sick in ourselves. We know somebody who's hurting with sickness. And we may not know somebody personally who's in prison, but I can guarantee you this. There's a grandpa and grandma somewhere who's praying for a son who is in a prison system, hoping that somebody would come visit them. You say, is that a need? Oh, it's a tremendous need. I'm going to be here Thursday night. I'm going to share a little bit about it. I don't have time to unpack it on Thursday night, but I can tell you this, that, that the church has been, while we've been not been voiceless in the prison systems, we have been inactive in the prison systems in Oklahoma. We are number one in the nation in incarcerations. We are number one per capita population in our prison systems in the entire world. The state gathers them, feeds them, clothes them, houses them, and they're asking the church, will you come minister to 
See, what Jesus was doing was he was giving us very practical things. We think of ministry as being behind a pulpit. Can I tell you that some of the greatest ministry opportunities that I've had in my life have not come behind this pulpit. It's come in a correctional facility. It's come meeting the needs of those who are struggling in life. <clears throat> alongside them and saying, I can help you. I can minister to your need. What Jesus is calling for us to do tonight, today is this. is simply to say yes to him. Simply to respond with a yes and say, I will do what you want me to do. I will do, I will find a need, and I will fill that need. And whatever my hands finds to do, I will do it with all of my heart, with all my soul, with all of my strength, because I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and let God take care of all the rest of the stuff in my life. I'm going to put Him first. How many knows that when we put Him first, that we can walk in faith every single day? The struggles, the trials, the difficulties of this life, the enemy would like to pile on you. But can I tell you that when you walk in faith and you put kingdom priorities first, what God will do, He says, I'll take care of the rest. All you have to do is follow me. And that's simply finding a need and filling it. Let me ask you this. How many of you in this room would say yes? His will for your life. How many would say, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of the responsibilities, the opportunities that God gives me? Because one thing I know about opportunities, and everybody in this room knows, is that when opportunities come, they also can go away. Opportunities come and go. And oftentimes we look back on our lives and think, man, I wish I had taken that opportunity. I wish I had taken that opportunity. Today, God is saying, let's push a reset button and let's start today by taking every opportunity. Amen. You say, oh, what if I mess up? Listen, I can tell you this. In my life, I've messed up a lot. I've missed some opportunities. One thing about God is that if you're putting forth the effort to listen for his promptings, to follow his leading, he's going to continue to give you opportunities because you're going to learn. A basketball player never gets better at playing basketball unless he continues to try to make shots after shots after shots. And he will miss more than he makes. In our lives, we may miss more than we make. But God blesses those who try. Amen? Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. Father, we just want to say thank you. <coughs> You're a God who gives us those opportunities and that you continue to give those opportunities every single day. Lord, there is no day that you don't want to use us. Every single day you want to use us for your glory and for your honor. Because you created us, you loved us, you cared about us, you put us here in this time period of this time in human history. Because you had a job for us to do, you had a responsibility for us to take, you had an opportunity that we need to take hold of and we need to follow your will. God, I pray that today that you would help each and every one of us to not only study your word and to find out what your will is for our lives, but to pray and seek your face and to know the promptings of your spirit. May we practice it every day. May we not give up in our practice, but may every day be an opportunity for us to learn more about your heart, about you speaking to us in that still small voice. Father, I pray that you would reward 
faithfulness. Faithful action. It simply steps out in faith and believes you for more. I pray that you would bless. And also, Father, I pray that you would prompt those in, in this room today that are struggling with fear. We rebuke the enemy. And we ask that you would embolden them to accomplish your will in their lives. Father, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't want to give uh, the closing of a service unless I give an opportunity. Because some of you in this room, you've come today and you don't have a relationship with the Lord. You don't know Him as Lord and Savior. And you would simply say, you know what? I recognize that in my life, God has blessed me. God has, has encouraged. He has strengthened me. He has protected me throughout my life to bring me to this moment, this opportunity for me to commit my life to serving Him. And if today your life is, is you're struggling with it, you're struggling with how to prioritize kingdom priorities, and you've struggled with it, and you've allowed your life to be following the ways of the world, listen, I want you to know something, that God designed for you to be here because he has a purpose, he has an opportunity for you. And if that's you today, you say, listen, I don't want to leave this place without first of all committing my life to serving him with all of my heart. I've not done that before, and today I need a brand new start. If that's you, would you simply lift a hand? I want to pray with you today. Is there anybody? Thank you, Jesus. I don't see a hand. Thank you. Thank you. It's dark. I can't see. I apologize. Anybody else? All right, church, would you stand with me? I don't know if we've got musicians that come back or whatever. Would you just stand with me for just a moment? Listen, God loves you. He cares about you. He's got a special plan for your life. Today, here's what I'd like for you to do. Just take a moment and just say, God, here I am. I want to give my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of that past and give me a brand new life today. Today, I want to serve you. I want to hear your voice. I want to know your will. The Bible says that if we'll believe with all of our heart, confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins. I'm thankful for that in this room. It's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. It's not specific words. It's simply saying, God, I believe in you. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for my sins and to give me a brand new life. Would you just pray right now? Father, I just pray. Lord, as a life is being committed back to you. Father, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, that you would, that you would help them as they make the steps necessary to follow your will. Lord, while you're changing and transforming them on the inside, we also know that you're giving them the strength, the guidance, and direction that they need in order for them to follow your plan in their lives. God, this life that they have is a tremendous opportunity the place that you place them, where you have put them in a daily walk, Father, is a great opportunity. I pray that, Father, that they would see tremendous results, not only in their own lives, tremendous blessings, but, Father, I pray that as others see a change and transformation that happens in their life, that they'll come to know you and that they'll hear Jesus saves. Father, we give you the praise Church. Sure.
If you're a believer, you know this. All of heaven rejoices when somebody comes to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Would you mind doing something for me? I believe that we could have a little piece of heaven here today. For a soul that was saved. And join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.